The Guardian. Order. What a timely reply from the Minister. <laughs> Very timely. Order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Mr Michael McCann. Question number one, Mr Speaker. Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Before listing my engagements, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in paying tribute to Lance Corporal Jamie Jonathan Webb of the 1st Battalion, the Mercian Regiment. He died in Afghanistan on Tuesday, the 26th of March. He was described as an outstanding, professional, bright, hugely engaging and hugely talented soldier, and we must pay tribute to his heroic service to our country. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr Michael McCann. Mr Speaker, the whole House will wish to associate themselves with the Prime Minister's tribute to Lance Corporal Jamie Webb, and we pass on our deepest condolences to both his family and his friends. Mr Speaker, even after tax changes, labour market statistics show that real earnings will have dropped £1,700 since the last general election. Knowing that hard-working families across our country are getting hit hard in their pockets, does the Prime Minister want to show any remorse, remorse or indeed apologise for giving, for giving millionaires a tax cut, including him? The people who should be apologising is the party that created this mess in the first place. But specifically on his point, we will be asking the richest in our country to pay more in every year of this parliament than he ever did in any year of his parliament. That is the truth. Mr David Amos. My mother Maud was very sad about the death of Baroness Thatcher but she was delighted that my right honourable friend has committed our party to a referendum on our relationship with the European Union. Given that my mother will be 101 next Thursday, she she wondered if the referendum could be brought forward. Can um, Can I, first of all... send my fond regards to your mum and wish her a, a, a long and happy and healthy life and remind her that if she votes Conservative in 2015 she will have that in-out referendum that the country deserves. Speaker, firstly, can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Lance Corporal Jamie Jonathan Webb of 1st Battalion, the Mercian Regiment. He showed the utmost courage and bravery and the thoughts of this whole House are with his family and friends. Mr Speaker, people are hearing today about patients waiting on trolleys in A&E, in some cases for more than 12 hours. And we even heard of one hospital pitching a treatment tent outside its premises. What has the Prime Minister got to say to those patients waiting hour upon hour in A&E? First of all, that this government believes in our NHS and is expanding funding in our NHS, and we will not take the advice of the party opposite, who thought that increases in the spending on the NHS were irresponsible. That is their view. We will go on investing in our NHS. We need to make sure that with a million extra patients visiting A&E every year, we need to make sure we continue to hit the important targets we have that people get treated promptly. The Prime Minister obviously doesn't realise he's singularly failing to meet the targets he has set himself. 
the number of people waiting more than four hours in A&E is nearly three times higher than when he came to office. And first he downgraded the A&E target, and now he's not even hitting that. As he approaches his third anniversary as Prime Minister, he needs to explain why an A&E crisis is happening on his watch. First of all, let me give him the figures. For the whole of last year, we met the target for A&E attendance. That is the fact. If you, take, if you take the number of occasions on which it was breached 15 times in the last year, that is lower than the 23 times it was breached when he was in power in 2008. Those are the facts. The other point I would make to him is there is one part of the country where Labour have been in charge of the NHS for the last three years. That is Wales, where they haven't hit an A&E target since 2009. Perhaps he'd apologise for that. Him, let me give him the figures. In 2009-10, 340,000 people waited longer than four hours in A&E. Last year, it was 888,000 people. And if he wants to talk about records, this government left office with the highest patient satisfaction than ever before in the NHS, the lowest waiting list than ever before in the NHS, and more doctors and nurses than ever before in the NHS. And part, now, part of the problem, part of the problem, is that his replacement for the NHS Direct Service is in total chaos. He's now got a patchwork, fragmented service where over Easter, 40% of calls were abandoned because they weren't answered. What's he going to do about it? Well, if anyone wants to remember of Labour's record in the NHS, they've only got to read the report into the Stafford Hospital. people waiting a long time for NHS operations. That number has come down since this government came to office. The fact is, which he cannot ignore, is since this government came to office, there are one million more people walking into A&E. There are half a million more people having inpatient treatments. And the fact is that waiting times are stable or down. Waiting lists are down. The NHS is performing better under this government than it ever did under Labour. Let me just say that what happened at Stafford was terrible, and both of us and both of us talked about that on the day. But Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, what a what a what a disgraceful slur on the transformation of the NHS that took place up to 1997, and the doctors and nurses that made that happen. Now, the main reason, the main reason why he is failing to meet his A&E target month after month is because he decided to take £3 billion away from the front line in a top-down reorganisation that nobody wanted and nobody voted for. And as a result, there are 4,500 fewer nurses than when he came to power. Can you explain how it's helping care in the NHS to be giving nurses their P45s? Well, first of all, the Honourable Right Honourable Gentleman is clearly in complete denial about what happened to the NHS under Labour. And let me just remind him what his spending plans are. His Health Secretary was asked, does he stand by his comment that it's irresponsible to increase NHS spending? And the Right Honourable Gentleman said, yes, I do. That is, Labour's official policy is to cut spending on the NHS. Just like they're cutting spending on the NHS in Wales, where waiting times are up, 
waiting lists are down, waiting lists are up, and quality is down too. That is what is happening in the NHS under Labour. Now, he also mentions what we have done in terms of reorganisation. That reorganisation is going to see £4.5 billion extra put into the front line compared with the cuts from Labour. Mr Speaker, let, let me just say to him, he's the guy that cut NHS spending when he came to office and was told off by the head of the UK Statistics Authority for not being straight with people about it. A&E is the barometer of the NHS and this Prime Minister might be totally out of touch but that barometer is telling us it is a system in distress. According to the Care Quality Commission, one in ten hospitals do not have adequate staffing levels. And during the winter, Mr Speaker, Every hospital was at some point operating beyond the recommended safe level of bed occupancy. Hospitals are full to bursting. He's the Prime Minister. What's he going to do about it? His answer is to cut NHS spending, whereas we are investing in it. But let me give him... Give him some simple facts about what has happened to the NHS under this government. 6,000 more doctors under this government. 7,000 fewer managers under this government. A million more treated in A&E, half a million more, more day cases, mixed sex wards, commonplace under Labour, virtually abolished under this government. Infection rates in our NHS at record low levels. As I said, waiting times for inpatients down, waiting times for outpatients stable. All of this happening under this coalition government, a far better record than he could boast. Mr Speaker, people up and down the country will have heard this is a Prime Minister with no answer for the crisis in our NHS and A&E services across the country. There is a crisis in A&E and it's no surprise. He's cut the number of nurses, his NHS helpline is in crisis and he's wasting billions of pounds on a top-down reorganisation that he promised wouldn't happen. The facts speak for themselves. The NHS is not safe in his hands. Let us examine the NHS in Labour's hands in Wales. Here are the figures. The NHS budget, is it being increased? No, it's being cut by 8% by Labour. Last time the urgent cancer care treatment was met in Wales, anyone? 2008. Last time A&E targets were met, 2009. The Welsh Ambulance Service has missed its call-out target for the last 10 months. And of course, there is no cancer drugs fund. That is what you get under Labour. Cuts to our NHS, longer waiting lists, and all the problems we saw at the Stafford Hospital will be repeated over again. James Wharton. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Yesterday, figures showed that this government has reduced the deficit by a third. Does the Prime Minister agree that to borrow and spend more, as the Shadow Chancellor has confirmed would be Labour's policy in 2015, would risk squandering this programme? Honourable friend is absolutely right. These are very tough times that we are operating in, but we have got the deficit down by a third. There are 1.25 million extra private sector jobs, and we've seen a record creation of new businesses in our country. The differences between the two parties is we believe in cutting our deficit. It is their official policy to put it up. If they did that, it would be higher interest rates, more businesses going bust, harder times for homeowners. That is what Labour offer. The Angus Roberts very much, Mr Speaker. The government is absolutely right to prioritise the combating of sexual violence in conflict uh, under its chairmanship of the G8, but the Prime Minister would have more credibility on the subject if he didn't accept hundreds of thousands of pounds 
and private dinners at Downing Street for Mr Ian Taylor. Mr Taylor's company, VTOL, has admitted dealings with the notorious Serb war criminal Arkan, who is indicted for, and I quote, willfully causing great suffering, cruel treatment, murder, willful killing, rape and other inhuman acts. Will the Prime Minister stop hosting Mr Taylor at Downing Street and give the money back? First of all, let me thank the Honourable Gentleman for what he says about my right honourable friend, the Foreign Secretary's very commendable efforts to make sure that rape and sexual violence are no longer used as weapons of war and conflict. The government is putting a huge impetus behind this in terms of the G8. I have to say, I think it's totally regrettable he tries to play some sort of political card in the rest of what he said. Mr Lee Scott. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister agree with me? But helping people who want to work hard is the right thing to do. Taking them out of tax altogether is the right thing to do. And making work pay is the right thing to do. And not insulting them, as some politicians have done, by calling them trash. I think my honourable friend is absolutely right. It is this government that is on the side of hard-working families. We've kept interest rates low. We've frozen the council tax. We've cut income tax for 24 million people. We've taken more than 2 million people out of income tax altogether. And our welfare reforms, sadly not supported by the party opposite, are making sure that work always pays. Sharon Hodgson. Today's Daily Telegraph reports that one million people have been declared fit for work by the DWP. Does this include people like my constituent, Michael Moore, who, despite multiple illnesses and disability, was declared fit for work in July 2011? Mr Speaker, Michael died in February this year, aged just 56. Well, obviously I'm very sorry on behalf of the whole House about the loss of her constituent, but I'm sure that she, and indeed I would have thought everyone in this House would accept that it is necessary to have a system to check who is available for work and who is able to work and who is not. And the whole point of the Employment and Support Allowance Programme is that we judge those people who can work but need extra help and those who can't work who should always be looked after. I find it extraordinary that heads are shaking in the party opposite. I thought it was the Labour Party, not the Welfare Party. Amber Rudd. Thank you, Mr Speaker. It is essential that this government continues with much-needed welfare reform because, coupled with the tremendous increase in private sector jobs of one and a quarter million, it's having a real effect in Hastings and Rye, with unemployment falling from 74 to 68%. Could I urge the Prime Minister to stay on this track and to make the difficult decisions when he has to for the good of this country and not to listen to the voices opposite, which only have one thing to suggest, which is to borrow, borrow, borrow. I think my honourable friend is absolutely right. The fact is, since the election, the number of people on out-of-work benefits has fallen by 270,000. It's absolutely essential that we continue with programmes to boost enterprise, but also to make work pay. And we shouldn't listen to the party opposite on issues like the benefit cap, which the Shadow Chancellor was on the radio last week saying that £26,000 was an unfair cap. I think people right across this country will be incredulous that that is the Labour position, but it is. Stephen Hepburn. Bankers' bonus at £15 billion. Executive boardroom pay up by 27%. Tax cuts for millionaires. Tax cuts for wealthy corporations. And the ordinary members of the public have got to pay for it. When is the Prime Minister going to represent all of the people in the country and not just these privileged chums? Yeah. 
Well, I tell you what this government has done. It's taken two million of the lowest paid people out of income tax altogether. It's delivered a tax cut for 24 million people. It has frozen the fuel duty. It's freezing the council tax up and down the country. And if people want to make an impact, they should vote Conservative on May the 2nd to make sure they keep their council tax down. Can I congratulate the Prime Minister on his support for the exhibition on modern slavery in the upper waiting hall? Yeah, 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 yeah. 200 years after it was abolished, slavery, modern slavery still continues throughout the United Kingdom. It is about the buying and selling of people and is the second most lucrative crime in the world. Can he confirm that his government will continue to engage with this issue? Well, I'm very grateful for what my uh, right honourable friend says. This is an immensely serious issue and I pay tribute to the all-party group in the House of Commons and House of Lords and also pay tribute to Anthony Steen who has campaigned long and hard on this issue. Anyone who thinks that slavery was effectively abolished in 1807 has got another thing coming and I would urge members, if they haven't seen this excellent exhibition uh, in that uh, chamber in, in the House of Commons, to go and see it and to see all of the different ways that people can be trapped into slavery. And it is notable, this is not just people who are being trafficked from Eastern Europe or elsewhere. There are examples of slavery of British citizens in this country being into, put into place of, of forced labour. It's an excellent exhibition and there's more for the government to do. Mellon Jones. Speaker, I wonder if the Prime Minister could be kind enough to tell the House how much he will benefit personally from the scrapping of the 50 pence tax rate. As I've said before, I will pay every appropriate tax, but, but like everybody else, like everybody else, every single taxpayer in this country is benefiting from the rise in the personal allowance that we've put in place. Everyone can benefit from a freeze in the council tax. Everyone can benefit from what we've done on fuel duty, and everyone would pay the price of another Labour government. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And the government's cap on benefits has already incentivised 8,000 people back into work. Doesn't this demonstrate how important welfare reform is? Getting people back to work, making work pay, a, party, a, a policy opposed by the party opposite. I think my honourable friend is absolutely right. The measures on welfare reform we're taking, like the benefit cap, like the 1% increase, making sure that people are available for work, making sure that you can't get job seekers allowance unless you take proper steps to find a job, all of these are about fairness in our country and making work pay. And what is interesting about all of them, even the proposal to stop paying housing benefit of sometimes up to £100,000 to a single family, every single one of those welfare changes has one thing in common. They've been opposed by the party opposite. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Well, Mr Speaker, on the subject of jobs, last week, 21 Tory MEPs voted against their EU emission trading scheme, meaning that British industry will face much higher energy prices than their European competitors, threatening jobs and investment. When will the Prime Minister get a grip of his party and stand up for British business? the uh, Honourable Gentleman might start by thanking the Chancellor for the move taken in the budget to help very important businesses in his constituency with excessive energy costs. But uh, clearly uh, the, the milk of human kindness is running a bit thinly with the Honourable Gentleman. And I have to say, if we're going to get into lectures about MEPs, perhaps he could get his to stop voting against the British rebate. Yeah. 
Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister will be aware that last week three people in Cumbria were arrested for apparently blowing the whistle in the public interest over the actions of the police commissioner. Will he agree with me that this is a threat to freedom of speech, an outrage in a democratic society, and will he intervene to make sure there is an independent investigation? Well, I will look carefully at this case. In general, we should support whistleblowers and what they do to help improve the provision of public services, but I will have a look and get back to him. Nick Smith. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The willful neglect of residents in their care homes is a crime. But too often the victims and the victims' families don't get any justice. Time and time again we've seen injury, we've seen abuse, and sometimes we've seen death. Given it's your third anniversary, when are we going to have a law that's fit for purpose? Well, first of all, I think the Honourable Gentleman is right to raise this, this, this issue. We've seen over the last few years some frankly shocking examples of not just malpractice, but let's be frank, crime taking place in our care homes, and there are a number of investigations underway. I think one of the most important things we can do is make sure the Care Quality Commission is up to the task of investigating these homes properly and has really robust structures in place. That wasn't what we found when we got in. In terms of making sure the criminal law is available, it is already available, and when there are bad examples, the police and the prosecuting authorities can intervene and they should do so. Caroline Noakes. 62 people have died using DNP, a highly toxic herbicide banned for use as a slimming drug, but easily available online alongside other dubious slimming products. What commitment can my right honourable friend give that he will work across government to make sure that this trade is stopped and in so doing help to prevent the deaths of more young people? Well, well, like many people, this morning I read the tragic case of the girl who, who died from taking this substance, and one can only think of the heartache her family and other families go through when things like this happen. I will very carefully look at what the Honourable Lady says. This isn't an easy issue because, of course, the substance is banned as a slimming drug, but as I understand it, it is legal as a herbicide. And so we have to look carefully, as she says, across government about what more we can do to warn people about these things. You are anchored, Davis. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Was the Prime Minister consulted? on the decision to reject the appointment of Baroness Tani Gray-Thompson to the Chair of Sport England. Well, these decisions are quite rightly made by the Secretary of State for for media and sport, and I think she's reached a very good decision. Nick Dupois. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Armed Forces Covenant... The Armed Forces Covenant is something that members on this side of the House are immensely proud of this Government's commitment to. The Prime Minister will also be aware of the Community Covenant launched by the British Legion to which 300 local um, authorities have signed up to, sadly not mine in Enfield Council, nor another 132. Would the Prime Minister join me in urging these councils to sign this covenant locally and uh, help support work across the constituency and in particular before Armed Forces Day? Well, I'm very grateful to my honourable friend for 
people raising this issue. Uh, my local authority in Oxfordshire was one of the first to sign up to the Community Covenant with all the responsibilities we feel we have for those stationed around RAF Bryce Norton, the biggest air base in the country. And I would urge all local authorities to look at this. I think the Armed Forces Covenant is a real breakthrough for our country that, in a way that we can all show respect for what our armed forces and their families do. And I'd also commend the fact that this government is using the LIBOR fines to help fund some really powerful elements of uh, the Armed Forces Covenant. So it means that those people who behave badly in our economy, some of the banks, are paying for some of those who behave the best. Richie. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can the Prime Minister explain the 11th hour postponement of Universal Credit Pilots? And is this the beginning of the unravelling of his unworkable and unfair welfare reform proposals? Well, I, I hate to correct the Honourable Lady, but the pilots are going ahead, starting in parts of the northwest of England. And I think it's very important that we do have proper pilots and proper evaluation of pilots. We want to learn the lesson of some of the failures of the tax credit system brought in in a big bang and ending up with big disaster. So it's right we are piloting, but as the Secretary of State, this programme is on, on target and on budget. Sir Bob Russell, council taxpayers in Essex paid £5,000 for the then leader of the county council his cronies to attend the Conservative Party conference. This was one of hundreds of dodgy transactions using council credit cards spread over eight years, totaling around half a million pounds, an average of more than £1,000 a week, including 60-plus overseas visits, Australia and Vietnam among them. Does the Prime Minister agree that such extravagant misuse of public money should be the subject of an independent inquiry? Well, obviously, it's important all these issues are properly looked into, but I'm sorry to disappoint my uh, honourable friend. Frequently, we're in agreement, but on this issue, I do think that if people in Essex want good value for money, it's very important they back the Conservatives. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister thinks that food banks are a good example of big society. Last year, 7,400 people across Stoke-on-Trent needed food banks, including 2,600 children, just to stop them starving. From this week, from this week, due to his welfare changes, the food banks have been forced to restrict food only to families with children and only to people over age of 65. Isn't it true the Prime Minister has failed Britain and his big society is overwhelmed? Minister. I'm very disappointed in what the Honourable Gentleman says because it was the last government in 2003 that gave to the Trussell Tr Trust, really the, the organisation behind Britain's food banks, gave them a Golden Jubilee Award for voluntary service. And this is what, and I'm glad to see is in his place, the Right Honourable Member for Sheffield Brightside, he said this, he said it was an outstanding voluntary activity that has enhanced and improved the quality of life and opportunity for others in the community. Look, of course, these are difficult times. And of course, food bank use went up ten times under Labour. But I think we should praise people that play a role in our society rather than sneer at them. John Stevenson. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. The Chief Executive of Cumbria County Council is to leave the authority with an agreed package. The package, I believe, will be substantial and run into hundreds of thousands of pounds. Would the Prime Minister agree that this and similar arrangements are difficult for the public to accept and are certainly not good use of taxpayers' money? Well, I would agree with what my honourable friend says. We do now require councils to publish their pay policies, and councils should all be voting on these deals so they can vote against excessive deals. That's something that's changed under this government, but I would urge all councils 
whatever political persuasion to look at what they can do to share chief executives, to share finance directors, to combine their back office costs. Everybody knows that whoever was in government right now, public spending reductions would have to be made. Let's make them by taking it out of the back office rather than the front line. Sandra Osborne. Mr Speaker, is the Prime Minister aware that Scottish Coal went into liquidation last weekend and 600 hard-working people in Scotland have lost their jobs, the majority in my constituency? Mr Speaker, the Tories closed the deep mines during the 1980s. Will he stand behind the open cast industry today or will it just be the same old Tories? I'm very happy to, to look at what she says, and we want to support all of our industries in Britain, including uh, the coal industry, whether it's in Scotland or in England. Obviously, in Scotland, since the election, actually, the number of people in work has gone up, but we need to see that go further and faster, and I'm very happy to look at the particular industry, industrial uh, 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 example she gives. Pauline Latham. Speaker, on Monday, the, my right honourable friend came to Derbyshire to support our council candidates yeah. for the next election. Yeah. But at the same time, he visited, at the same time, he visited a, a manufacturing company. Does he not agree with me that to get manufacturing companies to continue to export and expand their exports, such as the ones in my constituency of Mid Derbyshire, is our best way out of recession? I think my honourable friend is absolutely right, and the furniture manufacturer, Jaresta, that I went to visit has seen its sales increase by almost 20% over the last year. It's going into new export markets, it's investing in apprenticeships, it's doing all of the things that this government is backing and supporting, and we want to back many more firms doing exactly that. But her wider point is also right. People in Derbyshire who want to see another year of a council tax freeze need to vote very carefully on May the 2nd. Prime Minister give careful consideration to the recommendations of the Environmental Audit Select Committee's report on bees, other pollinators yeah. and pesticides, and will he, on Monday of next week, give his government's backing to the European Commission's proposed moratorium on the use of three neonicotinoids? I will, I will look very carefully at what the Honourable Lady says. I am the life patron of the Oxfordshire Beekeepers Association. So I feel I've been <laughs> I have I think been neglecting my duties that I haven't been able to give her a better answer today but I know how important this issue is if we don't look after our bee populations very very serious consequences will follow Dr Julian Hupper thank you very much Mr Speaker today sees the publication of the all party parliamentary cycling groups report get Britain cycling which calls for leadership from the very top on this issue will the prime minister look at the report make sure that he produces a cross-departmental action plan will give his personal commitment and leadership to get Britain cycling. Well, the members, on order. members on both sides are very discourteous to the good doctor. I can't for the life of me fathom why. Whenever I call the good doctor, there are groans. It's very unsatisfactory. I don't always uh, agree with what the Honourable Gentleman says, but on this occasion he's absolutely right, and the House should heed what he says. We should be doing much more in our country to encourage cycling. I think the report uh, has many good points in it. I would commend what the Mayor of London has done in London to promote cycling, and I hope local authorities can follow his lead in making sure that we do more. Gary Gardner. Can the Prime Minister tell the House whether 
the deep shade of red that he turned when asked the question by the Honourable Member for Ogmore as to whether he had been consulted on the appointment of Tanny Gray-Thompson was actually in place of an answer yes. We have got an excellent new head of both Sport England and Sport UK. That is what matters. These are decisions for the Secretary of State and they are absolutely right that she takes them. Last but not least, Stephen Metcalf. Does the Prime Minister agree that you do not solve a debt crisis by borrowing more and that for the party to have any credibility they need to acknowledge the mess they made, apologise to my constituents and just say sorry? Absolutely right. On this side of the House, we know we have to get borrowing down. And frankly, in the last week, what we've seen is the right honourable gentleman in his true colours. Too weak to stand up to the Shadow Chancellor on the deficit, too weak to stand up to his backbenchers on welfare, too weak to stand up to the trade unions on just about anything. It is a week in which he said goodbye to David Miliband and hello to George Galloway. No wonder. Travellers, not leaders. He was absolutely right. Order. Statement the Home Secretary. Secretary Theresa May. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.